Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The NHL season is underway with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. doesn't matter if it's a one-timer or a deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. The sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you. Big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 157 of The Big Show. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Hump Day Wednesday. Almost there, folks. Um, Of course, uh, tomorrow being Remembrance Day. um, Veterans Day in the States. Uh, Yes, hopefully everybody will... uh, uh, I ask that you uh, honor those tomorrow um you know hopefully everybody uh they in canada anyway and for my canadian listeners had the poppy and uh you know on the uh 11 o'clock and uh you'll re- observe moment of silence and just think of the uh think of the veterans and those who sacrificed made the ultimate sacrifice um so we could go about and do our thing and uh sit here and, and 
listen to the podcast and and all the things that we take for granted a lot of times. So, uh, yes. But folks, uh, actually today I was um, I actually wasn't going to do a show today. Uh, I've been we have stuff to do around here, of course, packing and everything else, and and some other issues and stuff that have come up. But uh, I've managed to have some time here, and uh, so I'm going to sneak one in. Again, I'm sorry for no guests. Normally Wednesdays are interview days and then Sundays are the shit show Sundays. But uh, in the next coming weeks or so, as I said, with selling our condo and packing and moving to our house and everything else, uh, my mind, to be completely honest, is not really in the podcasting game right now. But um, I did have, uh, I have some questions left over. And I asked today... Um, since I don't have a guest, how about uh, another question and answer uh, episode? I did one a little while back, and uh, it did pretty good and seemed to have some pretty good traction. So I asked today in the uh, on the Facebook on the different Facebook groups and on Twitter, and uh, actually and got some really good questions. So thank you everybody who uh, who took the time to to send in a question, and uh, let's get into them right now. But uh, before I do that throw out some sponsors obviously as i said i'm a member of the hockey podcast network there's over 50 shows in the network all the nhl teams are represented so whatever team you're a fan of there's a show for you um yeah and of course all those shows are busy with the season and everything going on so definitely give them a uh give them a look uh for my off network friends of course i got part-time only down there in florida you know down there in that mud show um he actually just did an interview today i'm not going to say who it was but it was a current player in the East Coast Hockey League, and uh, he said it went really well, so uh, looking forward to hearing that. Uh, current crop, one of the current youngsters out there, let's see what they have to say about things, but uh, no, that should be really good. And uh, But like I said, with Alex and the Five for Fighting podcast, he's got a tremendous back catalog, Frank Bialois, Mike Segroy, Rob Ray, uh, on and on, and uh, I highly uh, encourage you to check that out. Alec, old, Alec does good work out there, part-time only. You know, when he decides to, you know, when he gets the, he gets the, the bush apple, uh, beer going and, and everything. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, he is, uh, he also started back a couple years back, uh, the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook. He is a creator of that. There's over 13,000 members. So if you're on Facebook, I highly recommend, uh, joining that group and, uh, and seeing what's up. Like I said, it's about as close to the old fight message boards as you're going to get. Um, as idiotic as the old fight message boards could be as well at times. Um, you know, we try to limit the idiots. Unfortunately, in life, there's always that guy. And uh, we try to get them out of the group as fast as we can. It's not, you know, it's one thing it's fine to disagree and have a good back and forth, and that's all good. But when it starts getting stupid talk, it's time for you to go. So, uh, yes, myself and Joe and a bunch of us moderate it. And uh, I can tell you from my standpoint, and I know from Alex's, uh, I am not about to sit you down and have a, a chat and, okay, uh, you got two strikes now. No, you're out. I have no patience for stupidity, and if you're going to be stupid, uh, if you're going to talk stupid once, you'll, stupid, you'll talk stupid many times, so I'm not going to put up with it. So I don't give anybody warnings. I just toss them right, right on their ass and you're out, so nobody's got time for that. Um, of course, uh, actually, I talked to uh, William, who runs the Hockey Fights and Brawls Facebook page uh, the other day. Uh, last night actually, and I'm, I'm thinking we're going to try to plan an interview, you know, provided I have, I'm able to, um, with the packing, everything that goes, uh, and hopefully that will be, 
that'll probably be my last episode for a few weeks until we're done moving and everything. Um, I'm hoping. Um, we're hoping to do it later this week to have an interview. And William's out in Winnipeg, and he uh, he's an old uh, Jets fan from the very first time that they kind of joined the NHL back in the early 80s. And, uh, yeah, he's got so I uh, talked on the phone uh, last night and just talked about some of the names and, uh, you know, some of the fights that he saw that, that there's no footage of. And, uh, you know, and uh, he'll he'll share that with us. And, yeah, we'll just a couple, a couple fight fans talking, and it was a lot of fun on the phone, and, and I think you guys will uh, really enjoy William as a guest. So um, hopefully that'll happen. We can record this week. If not, I will have him at the show. I will have him on the show, obviously, at some point, but I would really like that to be uh, next Wednesday's episode, or perhaps this Sunday's. I don't know. Uh, we'll see, you know, my, like I said, my schedule's up in the air right now. But uh, anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yes, uh, part-time only there. Yeah, uh, yeah, check, definitely check out the Facebook groups if you happen to be on Facebook. Uh, overall, they're a lot of fun. You share videos and pictures, and it's there's some good back and forth and some good banter. It's a good time. Also, Broadway Joe Lazito, give it a Lazito uh, out there at MSG. He's he's keeping it down. He's keeping it real. He he of course has the podcast Coliseum Chronicles. It's a New York Islander enforcer based podcast. Tremendous back catalog going from Mick Fakota. To, oh, geez, Jason Strudwick, Jim McKenzie, Eric Bolton, Aaron Asham, on and on. Uh, yeah, Joe does a great job. Uh, used to be way back in the day, he was on the Tough Guy magazines, the Stan Fish for Bad Boys books. Joe was a big contributor to those, so he's been in the hobby for a long time. I've known Joe for over 20 years since the old, speaking of message board, since the message board days, I, I uh, started communicating with Joe. And uh, yeah, and his podcast is tremendous. Um, I always give him a hard time. He's ha- he happens to be working out of uh, MSG right now, so he's on he's an em- enemy territory. Yeah, but I said pretty soon he's going to be on the subway yelling "pot band sucks" and you watch faster than you could say "real roots Elaine and he might be uh, might be wearing Broadway blue. I'm just saying, you know that's you know they get they get they infiltrate you, man. They're going to turn you. Yeah, it's like a whole clockwork orange thing there. It's going to be clockwork blue. We'll see. Hopefully. You know, Joey's a lifelong Islander fan, but I don't know. They're gonna tr- something happens when you're down around MSG, right? Yeah, they they might change it. They might convert him. You know, Joe's Joe's ripe for the conversion. We'll see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> but no, definitely, uh, definitely check out uh, Joe's show. Like I said, the Coliseum Chronicles. Uh, like I and I always say he's he's got merchandise. He sells merch, and uh, definitely check that out, especially with Christmas around the corner. Oh yeah. Not, nothing says how you really feel about somebody than if you put some Joe Lazito merchandise under the tree for him. Or in this case, it's probably just a pole. Yeah, or maybe you want to show him a pole. I don't know. Whatever you're into. Check it out. Jolton Joe Lazito. Broadway Joe Lazito. Coliseum Chronicles. Give it a Lazito. But alright, folks. Question and answer period here. Uh, well, I'll bring up some questions here, and uh, I will do my best to uh, to to answer them. Uh, oh, here we go. All right. The first question. Well, there, it's part-time only. He managed to take time out of his day uh, to, uh, to ask a question. Thank you very much. Who do you consider the last true enforcer with a mean streak? One that didn't buy into the code bullshit and was an actual... Policeman on the ice. Hmm. It's an interesting question. Um, hmm. 
I'm trying to think recent, like kind of recent fighters. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if McGratton had a real mean streak. Uh, Andrew Peters, guys like that. Well, ah, uh, Bugard. Yeah, Bugard. Um, uh, Colt Nor. Um, yeah, like I see someone here. Yeah, Chris Simon. Yeah, Chris Simon's a good one. Yeah, Chris Simon. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm thinking of my eras. I'm trying. I think I got my eras mixed up here. I will say um, one that was that was. We're not talking NHL. We're just kind of going wherever. But um, Zach Fitzgerald. Zach was like you want to talk about. He was mean. Definitely mean for sure. Um, yep. Um, yeah, I mean, minor leagues, we could do a bunch, but, uh, I'm thinking, like, there's, you know, a lot of, like, great fighters and stuff like that, but, yeah, just an actual, like, if you're gonna play fuck around, he's gonna drill you, didn't matter, there was none of this good job, bro, and all that stuff, yeah, um, yeah, Simon, yeah, Chris Simon would be pretty good, um, I see somebody commented, Aaron Asham, yeah, Asham too, he, um, yeah, yeah, those are some pretty good ones. I'd, I'd have to say Chris Simon, though. That would probably be my answer. Oh, my boy Taylor. One half of the creators of the Bob Probert Invitational Tournament. Taylor, we've got to get Taylor on the show here. I've been talking to him here. and um, Just like Andrew, Wolves there. i got to get you on. I know we talked a long time ago. My bad, man. I, I definitely want to get you on the show, though, for sure. Um but Taylor, who were the best fighters that didn't have knock KO slash knockdown power in your opinion? Uh, Darren Langdon. Um, now I start to say that they never dropped anybody or whatever, but I, I know what you're getting at. But yeah, I would say uh, best fighters that didn't have knockdown power. Leia, Langdon. Um, Domi. Actually, you know who's a really good fighter? Uh, probably didn't have a... Craig Berube. There'd be another one. As I'm thinking back, I'm trying to think, like, I don't remember Berube dropping a lot of guys. I think anybody that was probably fought a lot, um, probably buckled guys. Like, even Langdon, like, caught Ojik there with that one. And, like, yeah, I'm not talking flatlined a guy or anything like that, but, you know, whatever, a little flash knockdown and stuff. Probably everybody that's fought, like, you know, 100-plus times probably has... A few on the resume, but off the top of my head, uh, Barubi, like I might be up my ass, but I don't remember Barubi. Like I'm trying to think, I'm going through my head, but yeah, Barubi, um, Kelly Chase. Um, oh, he's got like a Lefave. Like again, there's a guy he had Lefave and whatever, but yeah, but probably Chase, um, Dennis Bonvi, uh, yeah, I would say those. But yeah, Langdon and Berube and Domi and them. That yeah, Baumgartner. There's another one. Although I mean, I mean, his knockout of his knockdown of Malakok was pretty vicious. But I think overall, Bomber was more of a technician. I think would tie you up. I mean, you could definitely hit. But I mean, I would say yeah, Bomber. Yeah, that would be. Those would be my my picks, guys. I I will say with this normally. Like when I have a guest on, or I'm doing articles or whatever, I'll I will do some research into the to the topic. But 
Um, this was just so last minute because, like I said, I didn't really think I was going to have a show. So I asked people the question. So I saw some of them briefly as they came in throughout the day. But I was at work and whatever. But some of these questions, this is the first time I'm seeing them. So uh, forgive me for not, uh, you know, if I really sat down and got out and did the research and went and checked fight cards and everything, I could I could probably give a lot more uh, comprehensive answers than I'm giving. But I'm doing my best here. I mean, you know, I'm giving you some, at the very least, some, you know, uh, some audio pleasure, if you will, but, uh, I'm thinking probably it's like the old, uh, what is it? The old job interview, right? Like, you know, your best answers on the drive home. It's probably what will happen in this. Oh, as soon as I get off and I'll be doing the dishes later tonight, I'm like, oh, that guy, I know that's what's going to happen. But, uh, so, but these are, uh, these are my, uh, off the top of my head and hopefully, um, can be an entertaining segment here anyway. But, uh, here, who are your five favorite NHL enforcers and who do you think the five hardest punchers were okay. My five favorite NHL forces. Well, that's kind of a lot that I could tell you that's um, that could change daily, whatever is way the wind's blowing. But um, I will say, Probert will always be in there in no particular, but Probert, Scott Parker, Tony Twist. See, this is where I get stuck. Probably Baumgartner at four. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I don't. That that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I'm probably Bruby. Yeah, so let's see: Probert, Parker, Bruby, Bomber. Yeah, Twist. Yeah, I would say that hardest punchers. Um, well, Twist, um, Coaster. Uh, probably. Uh, well. Bugard maybe, uh, Boogie. Uh, oh boy, hardest punchers. Um, yeah, see that's yeah, it's hard to say. Well, and I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, you could throw Rob Ray in there, and everybody laughs. But it's like you go back and you look at the guys he's dropped. I mean, well, you know, really. Eh. I mean, he's got a lot of KOs, like TKOs and stuff. I mean, I'd probably put Ray in there. Um. Yeah, and I mean, I, I like, I mean, I'm sure, like Grimson, when he got rolling. Yeah, Stu, big Stu. Yeah, um, you know, like you could say Larock and stuff, but then you know, who knows? I mean, you know, I wouldn't say he was a real. But I mean, you talk to guys and they say he hits really hard. So, but yeah, that that's a tough one. But yeah. I definitely, obviously, you got to have Twist and Coaster in there. But like I said, I would definitely throw Ray in the in the conversation. You know, another guy who hit, who I think probably hit really hard would be Brad May. I think May probably hit really hard too. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, uh, yeah, like I said, Grimson in those Hartford years and stuff, and like later on in his career, yeah. Well, same thing. Go back to Parker. I mean. You know, he got a few guys too, and uh, yeah, and I, that's who, you know, it's tough, I mean, but I would definitely throw those, Twist and Coaster would be at the top of the list for sure. Uh, oh, that's out of right field. Do you play Frisbee or Disc Golf? That's sort of out of right field. Thank you, Flames33. Uh, I don't, and you know what, at the end of the street, while well, we're moving now, but at the end of the street here, 
Um, there's a big park with the softball diamonds and everything else. And they actually have a disc golf course. And every time we drive by it and I see them playing in the summer, I always tell my wife, that actually looks like kind of like fun. I know there's a couple guys at work that really talk about it and really enjoy it. Um, I, I'm going, I'm, I'm definitely want to try it. Um, it was funny. I, I work in garbage and, uh, in the environmental department city. And, uh, I actually ended up finding like a whole, um, like, I guess there, like there's like a, a driver one and, a like, I mean, there's different, uh, I don't, like, I'm not up to date on my whole Frisbee thing, but I know there's like three or four different kinds of Frisbees that you use. Like there's a dry, like golf clubs really. And this guy had that and the whole bag and Anyway, it was in the gar- obviously in the garbage can, like somebody had stolen it. It was kind of in a hoodie area, so, and, uh, it was actually labeled, the guy's name was actually, uh, the Larson and me, the, uh, I had Larson, Larson in my heart, kind of thought, oh, I finally got, here we go, I got all these free disc golf things, and I can, oh, now I can play, I don't have to go buy any, and it was going in my head, but then I'm like, nah, somebody's missing these, so, I, I was the good Samaritan, and I did return them, but, uh, yeah, I, but, uh, yes, I definitely want to try it out. I mean, I do, I don't golf, I'd like, I used to golf quite a bit. I don't have much time anymore, you know, whatever, but I don't, I don't get out like I used to, but, uh, but yes, I would definitely like to try disc golf. It does look like, it does look like fun. Old Chris Longmire, Dr. Chris, why doesn't it, why doesn't everybody have Tony Twist in their top 10 or even top 20 of all time? The guy was terrifying. He was. Um, um, that's interesting. Uh, my top 10. Yeah, see, I don't, like, if somebody said they had twist in the top 10, I wouldn't, I wouldn't shit on it. Um, is he in mine? Uh, I mean, like I said, whatever way the wind's blowing, he'd be in the, he'd be 8, 9, 10-ish in that range. I would probably put twist probably in my 10 to 15 range is probably where I would have twist. Just a little on the outside. Um, but maybe 10 or 9, around there. Um, he's in, he's definitely in my top 20, for sure. He's in mine. Um, I believe he's in Steve's as well, when Probert was king. And when we did it, Steve's all-time 25. I'm pretty sure Twist was in there. Yeah, Twist had to be in there. Um, no offense, I was not... But, I mean, that that episode was 100 episodes ago, so forgive me for not knowing but or remembering. But, um, but yeah, Twist... And, I mean, it's interesting with Twist because... Um, you know, he started in St. Louis. Well, I had the opportunity to see him in Saskatoon, obviously, when he was playing for the Blades, and he was vicious here. But, uh, you know, and had a big minor league run. And then uh, his first stint in St. Louis, he he was good. Um, yeah, he it, it was kind of weird. It was... Um, I, I don't want to say he, he... Like, I'm just kind of looking at his fight card now. It's not that he missed anybody in the NHL. It wasn't... Well, he was ducking him or anything. He wasn't. Um, that's the one thing I will say. With Twist and Probert never had the great fight. That was always weird to me. I know they fought a bunch of times, but there are always some. Oh, somebody fell, or the one time I think Probert got his hand stepped on, or there was always something. Like they never really had the great shootout fight, um, which is unfortunate. Um, he had the little rivalry with Gino when he was in Quebec, and. Um, you know, I know McKenzie got twist good a couple times. Um, you know, that was always, Jim was always sort of Tony's, you know, early on was his sort of kryptonite. But I mean, May, yeah, Fakoda, and yeah, he had the Robert Kimball fight. Um, 
yeah, Odeline, Byers, Pakoda again when he was in Quebec. Um, you know, but there's like there's there isn't like the great fight with Probert or the big fight with Dave Brown or you know or anything like that. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but he, yeah, he definitely had trouble with uh, McKenzie, and then but you know he started to kind of get rolling in Quebec, especially when he laid out Peluso with that big knockout and uh, had some wins against Randy McKay. Uh, good fight with VL. Um, but when he got, when he came back, his second run in St. Louis, that's the twist that everybody kind of remember, that mid-90s, late-90s twist for those three years there. I mean, he would like, you know, and everybody, roids, roids, everybody wants to yell about whatever. But, I mean, dude threw cylinders, or cylinders, threw cinder blocks. And I mean, you know, with Grimson and, um, uh, yeah, like Bomber, you know, like broke Ray's face, you know. Um, Stoyn off, you know, he got the Probert one, and Toski dropped in Toski, Jansen's big fight, the fight with Chase, uh, Patrick Cote a bunch of times. Yeah, I mean, at that point, the really the only losses he kind of had were the one to uh, Heward and uh, Francois LaRue, um, who the next year Twist avenged going after him and like, LaRue wanted nothing. It was like LaRue wanted to hang the one win on his, you know, and then, like never have to do it again. So, you know, oh, I got you. The, the one time we fought, I got him. Unfortunately, Tony got a hold of him the next year, and it didn't go too good. But, uh, yeah, and, and then he finally avenged kind of the McKenzie stuff, and he beat him a few times. And um, The one thing I, will, I always say about Twist, that, and, you know, he had the really good fight. That was Scott Parker's first NHL. What a way to start in the NHL. Parker's first fight in the NHL is against Twist. Um, not that I would say any, either of them won that fight. It was, I'd say it was pretty much a draw, but, uh, uh, yet LaRock, you got LaRock and Reed Simpson. And I always say, and, and unfortunately twist was really like those three years and those last three years in St. Louis was the man. And then he got into the unfortunate motorcycle accident when he was about to sign the big free agent deal, uh, with Boston by all accounts, uh, from Jamie Rivers and stuff. Yeah. He was going to sign. So you imagine twist in the Bruins. Out in, in Beantown there, he would have been a hero. And, um, yeah, and unfortunately the, the car accident ended his career, which really sucked because as fight fans, we really missed out on, like, cause I think he was only, like, 31, 32, and, you know, kind of, and, like, a guy like that, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, uh, uh, struggling to, get, you know, with himself to still find it to go out there and fight. Like, like Twist loved that shit, right? So it was like, yeah, he could, uh, yeah, that sucked. We lost, we lost out as fight fans. And I mean, obviously with Twist for himself, I feel terrible for him to have your career just cut short like that. But I was going to say, the thing I always say about Twist that was, that you could tell made him different than other, is other fighters fought different, like guys would fight different against him. Like a Reed Simpson or a Darren Langdon, like those guys went to war with everybody. But you watch those late fights, like Reed Simpson, like Twist is swinging him around and hitting him, and Simpson basically just goes down and like Twist or like he gets. I'm not saying Reed was turtle. Well, he did turtle, but I mean I don't blame him because he was just off in a real awkward position, and you don't want to be in that position with a guy like Twist because Twist will like it's not it's not exaggeration. Twist would break your face if he hit you and you, you were left exposed and Simpson was exposed in the fight just when he's off balance so he just went down and covered his head 
And I mean, I've seen a million Reed Simpson fights from Hershey to wherever. Even if he got in a bad position against guys, he would never do that. He'd always fight back and battle, or, you know, what do they say, like, fight back from underneath. He would do that and come back. But with Twist, it's just like, fuck this, and bail. And same thing with Langdon, who never did that with anybody else. They'd always, they'd always hang in with it and come back and try to make a comeback. But with Twist, I mean, he just hit so goddamn hard that it was like, yeah, I'm out of here. Like, and I don't know, I'm not, shitting on him, I don't blame him whatsoever, and, uh, yeah, so that, to me, was a real sign that, yeah, Twist is just a different animal compared to other people, and, uh, yeah, no, he's, he's, uh, if he's not my top 10, he's just, he's not, he's in the shade, but he's definitely in my top 20 for sure, and Tom, I, I, I I was gonna say, I appreciate your LaRock Gribson question, I see you're like, yeah, just disregard that shit, you hate tweeting, um, I hear you, I, I get you on Twitter, man. Um, no, I, it's definitely. Um, I didn't have time after to go onto the to uh, onto the YouTube's, as my mom would say. Um, I definitely want to check that out. Um, I will get back to you on that. Uh, I, I uh, like I said, it was it's it's a good question. I just didn't have time. I, I definitely want to go back and uh, and revisit that feud with Grimson and LaRock, though. Uh, I know they fought numerous times, and uh, yeah. I will get back to you on that one. But thank you for, for submitting that question, though. I'm just <clears throat> bouncing over to Facebook here. And uh, Michael Richmond asked me, Do you think players will ever be able to take off their helmets prior to a fight again? I'm really not interested in people fighting with visors. And if a player loses a helmet, the refs jump in, etc. Just not anything like it. Like it was, thank you. No, you're right, it wasn't. and uh, Or it's not. And... Uh, um, no, I don't, no, they'll never, I don't think they'll ever, no, they'll never, shit, they'll get rid of fighting before that, um, no, they'll, they'll never be able to take their helmets off again, um, no, I hear you now, right, I mean, well, now you can't even try to attempt, I know in the Western Hockey League, you can, in junior, you can't even attempt to take off the, try to uh, take off the opponent's helmet, um, and it's, or, and it's an extra penalty, um, that's how ridiculous they've gotten. So I said, well, I'll just stick your, you know, your chin down onto your chest and duck that visor all the way down. I mean, yeah, you got, you'll just have guys breaking hands and whatever. And yeah, um, no, it's silly. Um, no, I mean, that's the thing. I get it from, from, okay, you know, they could hit their head. Uh, yeah. All right. I mean, I get that. Um, you know, uh, It's really it's it's really hard to to argue, um, you know. Um, yeah, at the same time, it's um, you know uh, with the refs jump. The, the big one for me is the refs jumping in, because um, I mean you you watch them now. I mean shit, you got one linesman playing hero. He's grabbing one guy, you know, and the other guy's still free, and it's you know and. I mean, you're in a fight. I mean, anybody out there listening, if you've been in a fight, you're not thinking, like, you're amped up and charged up, and you're not thinking, right? And it's like, I mean, it's all easy for everyone to sit back, and, oh, one linesman gets in there and grabs the one guy, throws one over the ref, show, oh, that's cheap, that's not the code, and warrior and respect, and all this other horse shit that these you fucking new age fight fans love to yell about. 
But I mean, yeah, no, the guy's just in the middle of a fist fight, and all of a sudden you expect him just to stop, because that's respectful, and that's the code. Like, oh, God. You know, but no, they're going to get a guy hurt. And it was just takes me back to the uh, Simon fight way back when with Kevin Collins. When Collins grabbed one guy, grabbed Simon and bear hugged him, and Simon ended up getting punched and the nose broke, got his nose broken, and yeah. And I still can't believe when they're skating off the ice, Simon's just screaming at Collins, just giving it to him. And Simon, for the hair trigger temper he has, I'm so surprised he didn't fucking pop Collins. It's like, but Collins was always getting in there, and if he wasn't getting in there, he was like handsy. Like, you watch him, and he's he's got his hand on the guy, and he gets back, and you can, like, I remember it was... Um, I think it was Rivers, Jamie Rivers, when he was on the show, would say with Collins, and, like, they'd be like, get out of there, Kevin. Like, the other players would be like, stay out of it, Kevin. And he'd get in there, and I remember talking to, um, uh, it was Belak about that. And he was, like, the, the, all the players apparently really liked Kevin Collins, the way he called the game, like, was in the, they li- they liked the way he did, the, he ref the game, like, in Lions. They liked how he did, did his job. But when it came to the fights... They're like, just stay out of it until the guys are done. And, like, he watched the fights. He's even got his hand on the, on their back. And he, just for a second, though, but it's like, it would be just, like, I remember saying it was distracting. Like, it was, you know what I mean? Like, the guy's in battle. Like, I mean, for lack of a better term. Like, stay out of it. Like, just, and especially if one line, and they're just so antsy now. Like I said, it looks like teachers breaking up a fight on the playground. It's just these two guys. And it's not like it's like, oh, one guy's turtling and the other guy's just on top of him beating him. Well, okay. I'm not saying that, but when two guys mutually agreed to to drop the gloves and fight, and it's going back and forth, and even if one guy's got a, a little bit of an offense and the guy let the guy come back and, like I said, fight his way back out of it or whatever, just let him get it out of their system, and then it'll be fine. But holy shit, they got to break it up and whatever. Like just, and the and I, the one that always bugged me, even back in the day, where guys would square off, and the refs would jump in right away and separate them. And, like, you'd have the entire arena booing you. And I never figured out, how do you think that's good for your product? Like, at the end of the day, you could say whatever you want, but you're in the entertainment business. And you have 18,000 people booing your product. How do you think that is a good idea? Like, oh, yeah, no, we really really stopped one there. Like, just, and the thing is, then the guys would be in the box mad at each other and yelling at each other. And then when they got out, they'd get into it again and... Eventually, like, just let them get it out of their, like, just let them get it over with. I never understood this breaking up when they're, now if they're squaring off for an hour and a half, well then, okay, but, oh no, jumping in and grab, like, what are you doing? Like, just let them go. And like I said, it's agreed upon. They're agreeing to it. Just let them go. I never got that. But no, as far as the helmets staying, coming off, like, tossing the lids before a fight, nah, that'll never happen anymore. That'll never come back, and. No, but I hear you, man. And Danny, I don't know what your t- sweater tie downs, alteration, tape knuckles, fights in hallways or parking lots, women hockey fights. Has there been a women women's hockey fight? I have no idea. Stitches on the bench and fight. Like I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, there's. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know what that means. Sorry, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. Tape knuckle. You can't tape your hands. Uh, guys have, but no, you can't anymore. You haven't been able to for a long time. Fights in the hallways. Yeah, well, I think the last time... Well, actually, one just... What was it, in the Maritime League? Some Junior A League just had that happen. A guy... They were, like, separated by, like, a like a walking rail or whatever. And he, they were going back at it, back and forth. And, yeah, a little fire. That's all right. 
I mean, uh, I think was it Kurt, I know Curtis Gabriel got into one. I think he got dropped actually in a hallway fight uh, when they were both going to the dressing rooms. Um, but yeah, that used to ha- kind of happen back in the day. But uh, yeah, it's been a while. Well, I was gonna say it's been a while. It just happened. But other than those two, I don't remember it. I haven't remember it happening for a while. And then fights in the stands. Well, I mean, you know, of course you got the infamous, you know, with the Milbury shoe thing, and but it, O'Reilly led the charge there. But uh, oh, I'm sure you know in the minors they went to the stands. I know it's on my YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Check it out. Um, Churl ends up getting into it with the Binghamton crowd, and uh, you know they're fighting. Um, oh yeah, Ron Lowe goes into the crowd, I remember that, type, go to my YouTube channel, everything's sorted, type in Ron Lowe, he goes and confronts a fan, and oh yeah, I remember Kurt Fraser and the Orlando Solar Bears getting into it, guy, of course Lakovic almost going over the glass in Calgary at that guy, so yeah, there's been a few, I mean, I'm sure there's many more, but off the top of my head, I can remember that, I know, um, I believe, Thunder, the Thunder Bay in the Colonial League went into the stands, and in St. Thomas, I believe, um, I remember that, um, the Oklahoma City Blazers fighting with the Tulsa fans, um, they didn't really go into the crowd, oh, well, yeah, my boy Kurt, and then the Huntsville Blast, the three of them went into the crowd, they're in the crowd fighting with fans, the three guys, uh, yeah, just type in Huntsville Blast on my YouTube channel, you'll see that, um, yeah, so there, there's been a few of that, a few of those incidents, <clears throat> Dr. Chris is more good ones. Uh, who are some of your favorite second and third tough guys? Not necessarily the heavyweight show pieces. Yeah, I like the number twos and number threes. Um, yeah, well, like I said, Asham, uh, Brad May, um, Chase, guys like that. Um, Brad May, I was a huge fan of Brad May. Um, trying to think of like duos. I remember back in the eighties, like it was kind of like Semenko McSorley. I was always a bigger Marty fan. I like both of them, but it was probably Marty. Um, yeah, Probert and Coaster. Yeah, I mean, I like Coaster and all those. But man, my favorite kind of number twos, I guess, would be uh, um, definitely Brad. Brad May would be up there for sure. Um, yeah. Now I'm sort of all over the place. I'm trying to think now. Um, but, well, I mean, in the Islanders, it depends who, how you looked at it, but I mean, would be Fakoda be the number one and would Bomber be number two? I don't know. I would actually have Bomber ahead of Fakoda now that I think about it, but I think maybe on the Islanders, people would have thought that way just because Mick kind of had tenure, so to speak. And so, uh, you know, Bomber for sure. Another guy, I mean, Jay Miller was kind of the main guy and then Lyndon Byers. I was a big Lyndon Byers fan for sure. Um, yeah. Definitely, those would be who I think of off the top of my head. It's interesting. I see your question. Can you think of any specific big game moments where a fight changed the outcome of a game or a series? Um, you know what? I've, you know, I've kind of, there's always the, the Schultz, uh, Dale Rolfe thing, which, uh, uh, which Mike Hill replied to. To me, the most memorable, most infamous game series changing fight was the Schultz beatdown of Rolfe. The Rangers didn't respond to it, and it led to not only a New York loss of the series, but uh, dismantling of that Ranger group. Um, it's interesting. Hold on. I'm going to hit pause here for a sec. The magic of editing. <clears throat> okay, this very topic was brought up to Dave Schultz. Remember when I was talking about the aggressive hockey reports that have been uh, that I had downloaded a, a, a couple of weeks back? <clears throat> In one of them is... Um, 
the an interview with Dave Schultz, and that this question is asked. So here's the man himself answering it. Uh, this course, this was from 1992, so maybe his opinions have changed over uh, 30 years. But uh, in what, in your opinion, on that, what is your opinion on how the Rangers handled your fight with Dave, uh, Dale Rolf in the '74 playoffs? Schultz, there's always been talk, and Fred Shiro said that it was the turning point in the game, but I don't believe that. It was the first period, seventh game of the semifinals. Can you imagine Brad Park? He doesn't want to be third man in and get thrown out. Nobody would. It was a big game. As the confrontation took place, they, the Rangers, probably thought it was going to be more of an even fight than it was, I suppose. And secondly, as the fight progressed, it's pretty tough to jump in once everybody pairs off. So there is. So do you think it got played up more than it should have? Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that that it had anything to do with the outcome of it. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, the fact that it had anything to do with the outcome of the game. It was a hell of a game. We won four three. I believe we, we could say whether it had any. Who can say whether it had any effect or not? Sorry that I'm trying to scroll here. Who's to say whether it had any effect or not? I do know one thing. The Rangers have been asked that question many times since. So, there you go. So, I mean, Schultz himself doesn't think it was a really big deal. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, I can't really answer the question because I didn't, I didn't watch the series, right? So, I don't know the, I've just seen the fight, but I don't know what the momentum was going in or what was happening while that happened. And so I'm, I'm sort of out of it in that sense. Um, I really can't answer that. Um, you know, Chris, off the top of my head, I, I really, I'm, I'm not trying to cop out, but it's just like, I don't remember, I, well, I have one example, but in terms of the fights in the series, I, to be honest, I never actually probably watched hockey that close to, the only recently that I will say was the Vancouver-Boston series, um, when Boston finally decided to dress Sean Thornton, in my opinion, you could see a noticeable change in the Canucks. And Thornton and Lucic really started bullying the Canucks a lot. And the Canucks just didn't have any reply to it. That, I will say, I definitely noticed that. Um, other than that, off the top of my head, I really can't think of any specifics. I mean, I'm sure there probably was. Maybe in a fight, in a, in a game, like you'd see a fight, and then as the game went on, um, you know, maybe you could tell something was different, but... Um, in terms of a series, or I can't, but I will say, and it goes beyond, this doesn't have anything to do with fighting, um, I will say, though, the one I can really remember <clears throat> is back in the World Juniors, and was it 04, when the lockout, and Team Canada was just stacked, I mean, well, everyone was stacked, but, oh, who's phoning me? <clears throat> yeah, it was the Team Canada, and like, man, they had like Fanuf and, and uh, Shea Weber on the blue line, and like, and all those guys, but I, and Fanoff put on a show that tournament hitting people, and he was just hammering guys, and, uh, you know, say what you want about Fanoff, but back in his junior, and his early days there, man, the dude hit, he was a, he, man, he was a force, but he was unbelievable in that World Junior Tournament, and him and Weber were just killing guys, and there was the big, the big gold medal game, of course, was against Ovechkin and Malkin and the Russians, and, you know, great talent, and, of course, Dick Cox and all them, whatever, but, and Canada just literally bullied him. And Fanuf and everybody just hammered Ovechkin for that, for that game. And, and Ovechkin quit. 
he didn't he he quit in the second period. Like I don't think he came back on the. Somebody can correct me, but I'm pretty sure he didn't come back out on the third. And they bullied him every after every whistle. They were pushing and shoving him, getting in his kitchen, and they blasted him a couple times. And uh, yeah, he basically quit. And I remember at the time. I mean, how wrong I was, but I remember at the time because it was him and Crosby were the big. You know, they were going to be the big picks and going into next year's NHL. And these are the two. Gretzky Lemieux, right? You know, kind of comparisons. And I remember watching that and Ovechkin quitting in the gold medal game. And I'm like, this pussy's going to be the next one, you know? I mean, obviously how wrong I was. I mean, he turned out to be probably the greatest goal scorer ever. And, uh, you know, so, you know. But, um, yeah, they, and you could just see a noticeable change when the, when Canada started playing physical and started smacking the Russians. And Canada did that a lot in the World Junior, especially in the 90s and stuff. Nowadays, they and they all hit back to hell. Canada's fucking one of the softer teams half the time now. It's so sad. But but back in the 90s and stuff, when you, man, you had Lindros and May and these guys in the team, and, and Canada was always the most physical team. The only team that would ever kind of hit them back and play the same way was the Americans because they played the same. But when they played the Europe, like the Swedes and the Finns and stuff, and I mean, I'm not trying to be Don Cherry about things, but it was true. They, at that time, they, they didn't play that style of game. They were, you know, a, a, a skill based and Canada had skill too, obviously, but Canada was smash mouth hockey and that's how they won. What they, how many gold medals in the row did they win? I mean, you can't argue with the results and Canada would literally just bully teams. And, uh, yeah. And from watching, cause I was a big world junior fan back in the day, right? And the Christmas and stuff tuning into the tournament. And yeah, you could see Canada teams would just wilt in the, about halfway through the second. Canada would just stay on pounding them, and it was just, it was over. So, yeah, that's my one, I, that's my one example I can remember off the top of my head. But, uh, anyway, guys, I'm lo- I got a bunch of other questions, but I can see we're at the 40-minute mark. I got food coming. My voice is already dying here, so, and we got packing and everything to do, so I'm going to cut this short right now. I want to thank everybody who took time out, though, to answer my, uh, my, oh, to submit questions. I really appreciate it and really appreciate the interaction with you guys. And thank you very much again for, for taking the time. And I hope you enjoyed this. I like, again, these, these last, I know I keep saying it and saying it ad nauseum, but I really feel bad that I'm kind of, I feel like I'm really giving you guys subpar products lately. I really try to do my best to research and, and really present, you know, um, you know, a solid episode, but it's just, everything's just so up in the air right now that, I feel like I'm just flying by the seat of my pants at the same time. I want to give you guys product to, or content for you guys to listen to. I know you come to expect the Wednesday, Sunday shows, and I want to keep delivering that. Unfortunately, obviously, without internet, I won't be able to do that, regardless of how much I want to here coming up. But this was sort of a last-minute thing, so I want to thank everybody for uh, sticking with me here. Uh, check me out on social media, Fourth Line Voice, Facebook as well as Twitter, and on YouTube. Um, if you ever want to drop me a line and you're not on social media, hockey fights at hotmail, all one word. Yeah, just send me it. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think of the show. What do you think I should talk about? Who I should get as a guest? If you have a if you have a line on a guest, um, that'd be tremendous. Let me know. Uh, always love hearing from you guys. Obviously, uh, before I go, whatever platform you're listening to this show, could you rate and review it? It helps me out in the searches. Really appreciate it. Leave a review. It's awesome. I love reading that stuff. And uh, I want to thank everybody again for sticking with me. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, like I said, guys, as soon as the move's done and we're back to normal and, uh, you know, we got some, I, I got the office set up, then we'll, 
we'll we'll get back to really cooking here. I got some really good guests lined up, so stick with me, guys. But uh, in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed the question and answer, and uh, definitely check out my back catalog. And we'll see. I like to say I'll talk to you guys on Sunday, but it might be up in the air. But I'm going to try to get here for you. So um, thank you for tuning in, and uh, almost there, guys. Let's enjoy the rest of the work week. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 